this show is not for the easily offended. So if you are easily offended, go listen to something else. this for the third time. Hello and welcome to Comic Book Noise. My name is Derek Coward. Comic Book Noise can be found at comicbooknoise.com and it's part of the Deliberate Noise Network. For more details, please go to deliberatenoise.com. If you'd like to send feedback, you can email me. My me... My email address is Derek, E-R-E-K, at comicbooknoise.com, or you can call the audio comment line at 734-331-0772. If you'd like to donate to the show, there's uh, a section called, I believe, Donate to the Show on the front page of comicbooknoise.com. Any money that's donated goes to propping up the entire network, not just comic book noise. So you don't have to worry about me getting any money and then just running out and buying a bunch of comic books. It doesn't work that way. There's hosting, there's domain renewals. Um, shit, in fact, there's one domain that I gotta take care of. Um, and hosting. Anyway, um, you can be like these fine people who donate through Patreon. Um, uh, Dave Slesher of the Evil Genius Chronicles, uh, Bruce Rosenberger of Vicious Smith, Martin Ferretti, Rick, James Johnson, Ken Kennedy, Chris Ivey, Edward Elmore Jr., and Dave Levine. Um, thank you, gentlemen, one and all, um, even those of you who are not gentlemen. Um, I appreciate it. Uh, I... I actually recorded this episode once, and uh, I kept tripping over my words. You know how I tripped over the word email earlier? I was doing that like every three or four um, sentences, so I just finally said fuck it and deleted it. Um, Then I recorded another one. Now, I'm doing this on my phone because I just don't feel like trying to figure out what's going on with my um, desktop setup. But, um, for some odd reason, I kept having it by my face like I was making a phone call, and it kept pausing the recording. And I didn't realize it like the second time it did it. So I talked for like 10, 15 minutes before I looked down and noticed this thing isn't doing anything. So that's the. The frustrated exasperation that you heard in my voice. <clears throat> so, um, I'm not going to talk about that. Mentally going through, because um, one thing I did mention was how um, a few episodes ago, I had set a new um, format for the show. Um, but then I got sick. And that messed up the... <laughs> That messed up my release schedule. And then once I got unsick, um, 
I fell into a trap that I usually fall into whenever I try to, uh, um, do segments like I was trying to do. The thing is, is that, um, I think, you know, I should read a comic book, but then it's like, I don't feel like recording yet. So I hold off, but then I don't record because I haven't read any comic books. So it's caught in this little uh, catch-22. Catch-22. Fuck it. You know what, I'm, what I mean. I'm just pissed right now. <laughs> I'm serious. I talked a long time. <sighs> anyway. Um, I will talk about this kind of book on another episode. I'll talk about that one. Alright, um, so I'm just going to talk about the indie comic books that I got. Alright, uh, first one is, um, actually a, uh, submission from Scout Comics. It's, uh, called Jazz Legend. Um, I got a, a PDF, and, um, uh, I'm not going to go over the story. Like I said, I've been through all this. Uh, I'm just going to give the description. It's uh, Jazz Legend is a neo-noir meets cosmic fantasy inspired by the lives and works of jazz great Miles Davis and the father of beat literature, William S. Burroughs. Jazz Legend is written by J.C. Lechick with, I think that's how you pronounce the last name, with artwork by Vasco Duarte and Christian Dokolomansky. Once again, I think that's how you pronounce it. Um, it's really weird. <laughs> it, it, the, the, the setting is a place called Moto City. Um, not Motor City, not Detroit, but Moto. Like, hello, Moto. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, and there's a, 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 a jazz musician named Martin Comedy. Comedy. Not comedy is in haha, but comedy is in, uh, was it a certain level of decorum? Anyway, um, he's a jazz musician and he's, he's kind of a, one of those cool guys who's also a dick. Alright. Um, when you read the book, you'll see what I'm talking about. Um, but there's also another guy and I really wasn't sure who he is. Benjamin Ray. He's a writer, um, who sees uh, visions and it's, it's, it's really weird the way that those two are somehow connected. Um, they don't really say how in the first issue, but this is, a, it's, it's going to, it's, it's planned to be a monthly. We'll see. Um, it's from Scout comics. The artwork uh, reminds me a lot of, um, uh, shit, hold on a second. Alright, um, <clears throat> it's only like a second for you guys, but it's a, a five-minute coughing fit for me. <clears throat> I'm no longer sick, but I still have coughing, fits of coughing, which messes up my throat. Anyway, the artwork reminds me sort of a mix between, um, uh, Umberto Ramos and, uh, Mark McComb. Mike, excuse me, Mike McCone of all people. It's sort of like that. Um, 
the panel layouts, not the, the panel layouts, the page layouts and panel structure is actually really cool, you know. Um, there are there are times where it it's almost um, shall we say standard, you know, standard um, squares and rectangles, but then like halfway through the story, it goes. <laughs> <laughs> really in experimental ways and it stays that way for most of the, the rest of the book you know um really interesting artwork you know and i'm judging this not because you know i've said it before um i i grade on a curve when it comes to indie as opposed to um uh, mainstream books um and I'll tell you right now, this book, uh, I could see, uh, somebody like Vertigo putting out a book like this. You know, I think the only thing that Vertigo probably would change, um, would be the, no, I don't think they'd even change the cover. No, um, no, there, there are a couple of, of, of pages where they play with, um, the perspective you know the, the 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 vanishing points and all that kind of stuff, um, and I think that uh, well, I think this might have been intended as a two-page spread. That's what it looks like. That, but like I said, I got a a, a, a preview PDF. Um, I don't know. Maybe some of the uh, special effects lettering. I don't know. I don't know. Um, yeah, this is something that I could definitely see coming out from a major publisher. Um, the writing is really good. It's, you know, sometimes when you get a lot of, uh, indie writers, they try to show how clever they can be rather than just concentrating on telling a story. Um, but this, you could see this is a clever person writing a story, you know? Um, I don't know how else to put it. Anyway, um, it's called uh, Jazz Legend. It's going to be out by uh, coming out monthly by Scout Comics um, in May of 2018. That's when it's going to start. You know. Um. Yeah, so I would check that out. I'm. I'm actually. I'm. I'm. You know, I'm really glad they sent me a copy so that I could read it. Um, especially because it gives me something really good to start the show off with, you know. In fact, all these books are, are really good in their own way. This one is a lot more experimental um, because it focuses on uh, jazz. <laughs> you know, there's, there's a lot of jazz uh, in the presentation, you know. And I'm I'm not talking about the smooth jazz like Najee or Kenny G um, uh, or even uh, people like Pat Metheny I'm talking about um, uh, Miles Davis Thelonious Monk um, when I started reading this I got a couple of pages in and then I stopped and I turned on the Spotify and I started listening to do, 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 do. I'm not going to look it up. Uh, I think I listened to my, um, oh, um, the, 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 Coltrane. There's a, there's a, a, a 
Spotify playlist that's got like 96 hours of John Coltrane. So I started listening to that. Um, yeah. It's really good. Really good. So I would highly recommend it. There's another book that is just as um, experimental. Um, but this is not a jazz book. This this is hip-hop. Uh, this is Day Black. Now, a while ago I talked about Day Black Volume 1. Um, this is Day Black Volume 2, and they made a couple of changes. In fact, they gave me a copy of the new uh, Volume 1, but I didn't reread it because it didn't really look like much it changed, although I should compare it from the first review copy I got to this review copy. Um, first off, they changed the size of the book. Uh, Day Black was uh, a little bit bigger. Um... And the cover had like a matte finish to it, so you, it, it felt a little rough. This one is uh, just slightly smaller, maybe like an inch smaller from the top, half inch from the sides, maybe, or yeah, maybe two inches from the top. No, more, more like an inch from the top. Anyway, um, and it's got uh, a glossier cover, and the inside pages are just as glossy as before. Um... And this continues the story of, oh crap, I can never remember that guy's name, Merce. Um, and for those of you who don't know or don't remember, um, Day Black is a story of a vampire who works as a tattoo artist. And his gun um, will take the blood of the people that he's doing a tattoo for and it saves it in a little bottle for him to drink later that way he doesn't have to go out and start sucking people dry you know uh and day black has is is the name of the town that he lives in um but the sky has so much pollution in it that the sun can't be seen you know so he's he can go out through day or night so nobody's gonna really suspect that he's a vampire because hey he's also walking around during the daytime because there's no direct sunlight um and if you don't believe that pollution can get that bad <laughs> yeah let's look it up you know uh and this is volume two um and once again there's a hip-hop feel to the artwork um, before I thought that it, uh, he reminded that the artwork by Keith Cross reminded me of, um, of, uh, of painters from, uh, you know, black painters from the seventies. And I still get that strong vibe in how things are, uh, created, you know, especially the covers, but the story is, um, a lot less frenetic, you know, than the first issue. Um, I think Keith was trying to uh, introduce concept um, and and as well as introduce his style. Um, his style is still pretty much the same when it comes to um, how he create, you know, how he does the uh, how he tells stories within stories and um, some of the character designs. But it also reads more like a comic book. Now, I'm not going to say it reads more like a standard comic book because that is um, was a damning or faint praise. Um, it's 
it's a lot less experimental, but at the same time, it's, it's still unique, you know? Like I said, I like the first issue. I like the way this is going for the second issue. Volume, not issue. These are volumes. Um, it has me really interested for the third one, you know? Because <laughs> there are certain characters that were introduced... Um, I'll put this... There were characters that were introduced in the first one that have came... That have... Uh, lasted into the second volume and now there are characters that are being introduced in the second volume um that i'm curious to see where they go at in the third volume um yeah this is really good stuff i recommend it um and this is by rosarium publishing um who every now and then they send me some stuff you know they sent me um Day Black, which I immediately talked about, and Day Black Volume 2, which I immediately talked about. Um, I don't read, I'm, I'm not going to talk about everything I sent because a couple of the things I sent I really wasn't that fond of, and I'm not going to trash an indie um, publisher. Right. I will definitely talk more shit about. Um, DC or Marvel <laughs> than I will about an indie book. Um, simply because it's indie books, I mean, they don't need somebody shitting all over them, you know? Unless it's just like a truly, truly bad... Like, what was that book? Pistol Fist or some shit like that? Man, that was an awful book. No, Pistol Fist was like... What was the other one? Oh, God, I can't even remember the other one. It had layouts by uh, Keith Giffen, I believe. Oh, God. That was a book that I talked about with um, Mike and um, uh, Thune. Um, shit. I can't remember the name of it was, though. Not Pistol. Brother Bedlam or something? I don't know. I can't remember. Anyway. Um, but another book that came from Rosarian Publishing... It was called Ghost Stories. It's by um, a young creator named um, Whit Taylor. And I read it because, you know, I, I said I was going to read it. And a couple of pages into it, and it looked familiar. You know, it looked like a sort of... Um, uh, an autobiography um, done by a uh, a very young uh, female creator, um, and quite frankly, I was ready to just to just write it off. I was going to read. I said, there, there are three stories in here. Um, what are the three stories? There's ghost wallpaper and makers, right? And I was just going to read like part of the first one. Because um, the first story is like 64 pages. Um, and the second is like 40. I don't know how much the last one is. I'd have to actually count. I don't feel like counting. Um, but I read... I, I was just going to read the first one. And just, you know, basically I said, well, I tried and then go about my business. But um, it sort of really brought me in, you know? The first one... <sighs> It starts off with uh, her. The first page is meet your idols. You know, these three ghosts came and they told this 
uh, young woman that she could uh, pretty much meet uh, the idol, you know, the three people that she wanted to talk to most out of history, you know? Um, so it was funny who does, you know, she was wondering who it would be Jackie Orms, um, who is a, um, a black female cartoonist, like if not the first one of the first, um, FDR or Captain Beefheart. And when I saw that, I was just like, uh, Oh God, this is going to be insufferable. <laughs> but I just want to see. And so she got to her first um, first person she picked. And I was thinking, okay, yeah, this is something. This is somebody that I could see. But then the discussion that she has with this, uh, with this historical figure, who I'm not going to reveal, just was made me like, oh, wait a minute. This book is maybe a little deeper than I thought, you know? Um, because with this particular person, you would think that they would talk about science and they didn't really talk about science, but, um, oh God, it's more like, um, philosophy, you know, she, talk, she basically talked about philosophy with a scientist. Um, and then the second time she had an author and I think they were the ones who talked about science and I think about it. Um, mythology, comic books, yeah. They talked about uh, the act of writing for a lot of parts. Um, and science. And then she gets to the third person. And the third person, I did not expect. It totally blew me away. Um, and it changed my perception of the whole book. You know, it's like before I thought, okay. You know, this is going to be um, just some just some uh, autobiographical, you know, if you could talk to anybody in history type of thing. And I thought it was going to be I really thought it was going to be superficial and trite. But she really got into some 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 deep thinking. OK, <laughs> and it's not just deep thinking where it's like. Hmm, maybe I can use some really big words here, you know, and arrange them in a way that people think, oh, wow, I never thought about it that way. But no, she used simple language and spots, and it made me think, oh, wow, shit, I never thought about it that way. I never really thought about having this discussion with that person, you know. And then when they got to the third person, I was like, holy shit, no. No, this this person is is creating art. You know, she's not trying to create to create art. Um, she's actually creating art, you know, and a lot of times when I say, oh yeah, this, this person's trying to create art, um, I'm, I'm being facetious, <laughs> you know, I'm being a smart alecky fuck, uh, it's just like when, um, I told this story a long time ago, but, uh, the first time I saw, um, Reservoir Dogs, I was, I want to say I was technically homeless <laughs> and I was uh, sleeping on my best friend's couch and uh, it was Friday and after work because I was working um, me I would go over you know I would go home to his house um, and me him and his wife um, would get pizza and movies right and you know from the blockbuster that was nearby right <laughs> and we got a movie called uh reservoir dogs you know and 
Um, well, I saw another movie before that, but Denise fell asleep. You know, she was like, you know, I'm, I'm tired. I'm not going to sit through another movie. All right. And me and Sean started watching and Sean fell asleep on Reservoir Dogs. And I was mesmerized. I was like, oh my God, this, this movie is great. Right. And Sean woke up and he watched a little bit more, but then he fell back asleep and I'm just like, hey, okay, more for me. Right. And then finally he woke up and he stood up and said, man, there's a lot of acting in this movie. And then he left. <laughs> he went to bed. And that line has always stuck with me. You know, if there's something that I don't like, this is, you know, I'm watching it and it, I'm finding it to be extremely boring because there's a lot of talking and there's a lot of acting. Now I'll say this, man, there's a lot of acting in this, right? And Stephen now does the same thing. He walked through, I forgot what I was watching. He was just like, huh, seems like there's a lot of acting in this movie, huh? I like, no, it's actually pretty good. Oh, really? He sat down and watched it with me. It wasn't for him, but he'd say, eh? okay, it's not what I thought. Um, and so there are times, um, <laughs> especially on the indie scene, where you could tell somebody's really trying to make art. You know, they're trying, they're pushing it way, way too hard. Um, and it's just not working for me. Um, this is not one of those books, right? This is one where it's really, it really worked. You know, the first story was about her, um, and the three people she could talk to. And the second one was about wallpaper. And this one was really interesting because on one side is, excuse me, all text. And on the other side is like wallpaper patterns. And this is mostly a prose piece. And it's really good. It's about um, the relationship she has with her family, as well as, you know, the, the different wallpapers that she sees in the house or wherever she's going to be. I'm just going to put it like that. I, want to, I don't want to give too much away because I really think this is a book that you may want to pick up. Um, if you want to support indie artwork, um, then this is definitely a book. It's called Ghost Stories. It's by Whit Taylors from Rosarian Publishing. It's really good. The third story is more of a... Um, It's more of an autobiographical story. It's a relationship between uh, two best friends leaving um, high school, going off to college. And this is what I was expecting. <laughs> All right. This is more along with what I was expecting. It's not what I got. So by the time I got to this story, um, it didn't bug me. I, I know this for a fact. It didn't bug me as much as I think it would have bugged me if this was the first story in the book. Right. Um, it capped it off rather nicely. The first one really expanded mine. The second one had you read and supply the pictures in your own head. And this third one was more of a movie, you know. Anyway, um, I would recommend this book, you know, just like I would recommend Day Black, just like I would recommend it, uh, Jazz Legend. Um, but where Jazz Legend, I'd say, put on some Coltrane or some Miles Davis, some Thelonious Monk. With Day Black, um, I would say put on some, um, oh, I would say Wu-Tang. Um, hmm. But that's, that's, that's New York. 
I don't know, and I'm trying to think of who's a good southern uh, rapper. Maybe some T.I.? Maybe. Um, but this uh, ghost story, this is definitely a uh, pop story. Pop music. Um, but you know how there's pop music that can make you think um, and pop music that wants to make you think. Um, just the kind that makes you think. You know, and I can't say for anybody because <clears throat> I don't really listen to a whole a lot of pop music. There's, I nowadays I, I listen to a lot of stuff, um, but uh, when I listen to music, uh, I don't really listen to pop. Like I was, we were out to, to dinner a few days ago, um, and this song came on the radio, and it's like, oh, this is actually pretty good. You know, who is this? And I shazammed it. And it was uh, Taylor Swift. You know, it, was, it was actually a pretty good song. I couldn't tell you what it was. Unless I looked on my Shazam history. Um, but the only thing I know about Taylor Swift is that she has beef with Conway, Kanye West. You know, <laughs> so I really didn't know about her. Uh, it was like Katy Perry. The only thing I know about her is she pretty much sexually assaulted some guy on TV. Um... But uh, those are like the two big names I know. I don't really know a whole bunch of other people. Like I've heard of Imagine Dragons, but I couldn't tell you a song. Um, I think Paramore is a thing. No. Um, chain smokers I actually like. I know a lot of people think that they're full of shit, but I like them. But then again, I like dance music. You know, I don't dance because I'm too fat, and when I was skinny, I was too uncoordinated. But now. Eh. Anyway, let me go on. <laughs> and the last book that I'm going to talk about is from Boom Studios. Can't remember, I can never remember. It's Dynamite Entertainment and Boom Studios. I always wanted those two confused. Um, and it is called Die Hard Year One. It's um, written by Howard Shaken. And he does the interior art. Because I know the covers. Yeah, the, the artist is Gabriel Andrade Jr. The colorist is Stephen Downer. Letterer is Ed Dukeshire. Um, that's a letterer. It's edited by Ian Brill and Matt Gagnon. And the covers are by uh, Dave Johnson and Joe Jusco. What I like is they print out, they, when they do it, it's a uh, Jusco uh, son. So I like it. Um, this is a diehard story, you know. This is uh, his, uh, John McCain's first case. This is before, um, was it Nakamoto Towers? Uh, this is when he first met um, his uh, soon-to-be wife, whose name I cannot remember <laughs> right now. Um, but, you know, the funny thing is, is that Holly, 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 Holly McLean, um she is in this story and it's pretty clear once they say you know this is holly um who she is and who she will become but at the same time her whole story art seemed kind of forced you know there are other characters who to me were just a lot more interesting who i wanted a lot more from like his first partner um oh i can't remember her name um you know, the other cops, the crooks that were on there. To me, they were all 
much more interesting because I think they also, you know, Hard Chicken actually gave them a lot more to do. And he gave them a personality, you know. Um, he didn't really have to work with giving John McClane a personality because we, you know, John McClane was in what, five, six movies, so we know what his personality is like. Um, he didn't bother giving Holly much of a, of a, um, of a personality because, you know, let's face it, she doesn't really have much of a personality, <laughs> even in the movies. She didn't really have much of one. Um, so why bother? But he gave the, um, Christ, now i got to look up her name. Uh, what's his name? Um, uh, uh, partner. Crap, I can't remember her name. I cannot find it easily. Um, Olga Cruces. Cruces? I don't know. Um, I like her. She's a character. Um, a lot of Howard Chaikin's characters set in the uh, 50s and 70s especially are usually um, racist dicks, <laughs> you know. And Olga is a uh, the first Hispanic, Hispanic female detective in NYPD diehard universe history. Um, so she gets shit and she gives shit right back. <laughs> you know, that's what I, I really like about her. I like this character. I like the story. Um, it looks like they're trying to find out uh, who's doing this string of robberies and then there's hostage situation and then there's a, a big blackout of 77. <laughs> you know, I was 10 years old at the time. Um, it works, you know. Howard Chaikin he got it to work. Um, he does what he usually does at the beginning of uh, a story. And if you haven't read any of Howard Chaikin's, uh, I don't want to say good stuff, but <laughs> I think that his miniseries are much better than his regular series is. Um, because he starts off, uh, with a lot of quick scene cuts, you know, it's like he'll take a page or two and show you what characters are doing, not even really introduce them, but show you what characters are doing. And then at the end of those two pages, he'll move on to somebody else and do the same thing with them for two or three pages, one or two pages, and then move to somebody else and then move to somebody else. And then you, he'll have like four different story threads going and then they all come together at the end. I really like it when he does that. Um, he did that with um, um, Black Hawk. Was it Iron and Blood? Um, he did that with Black Kiss. Um, he did that with um, uh, the Shadow. You know, and he did that in the beginning with American Flag. But when then when American Flag became a bit of a hit, he had to pretty much tell stories a little bit more regularly. Um, normally I should say, um, and to me, it sort of took away from Howard Chaikin being Howard Chaikin, you know? Um, and, uh, yeah. And this book actually came out years ago. Um, let's see. This book came out in 2011. 
So this is like a seven-year-old book. I'm just now getting to it because it was um, one of the books that I got from Ollie's. Now, Ollie's is a uh, a chain store. It's like a discount chain store. Um, but if you go over to the book section, they have... Uh, <laughs> I'm laughing. I'll tell you why in a second. Um, they have uh, trades, you know. And so, first time I went there, I picked up uh, a couple of trades. I picked up um, uh, Justice League of America, The Tornado's Path, which was uh, Dave, Dave Meltzer, <laughs> Brian Melt, Meltzer's, um, and Ed Bennis's, uh introduction to the um, Justice League a few years ago. And uh, what else did I get? Shit, I can't remember. Huh. Um, I got a bunch of comic book, comic books, uh, single issues, and I also got this Die Hard Year One. Um, and this Die Hard Year One, what retails for, you know, uh, uh, twelve ninety nine. It means you can probably find it for like seven or eight. I got it for two ninety nine or three ninety nine. Can't even remember now. I mean, just. They have really deep discounts on books. Um, I ended up going back later and... Oh, I know what I got. I got a, a, a showcase, you know, the black and white books. Um, I got one of those because I didn't have a whole lot of money on me. Um, but then we went back bef- after that and I got uh, the Ranthanagar War, um, Amazon's Attack, because I never read that. Um... Got a couple of uh, Legion, well, one, two, three different <laughs> Legion books. There's uh, Legion of Superheroes in the 31st Century, which um, actually looks more like the, like it's the one that's based off of the, the cartoon. Um, then there's The Beginning of Tomorrow, which looks like Chris Sprouse artwork. Um, huh. Who's that? No, that's uh, Leslie Motor. Um, and then the other one should be, uh, yeah, when Jim Shooter and Francis Manipool had the book. Um, I also got, uh, Trinity by, uh, Matt Wagner. Um, the two New 52 version, uh, it's New 52. This is a Resurrection Man. Got those two, um, the Strange Adventures book, as well as Volume 2 of Voodoo, or the New 52, because I have a single issues for um, Volume 1, and then I just stopped getting the book, so I got the, I got Voodoo for two ninety nine. so there you go. Anyway, um, yeah, so if you get a chance, go to, if, you, if there's an Ollie's near you. That's what I mean by get a chance. Check it out. You might find some good stuff there. Because I've got some other books in the other room. Um, but realize that there's the book section as well as a comic book section. <laughs> so check both of them out. The reason I'm laughing is because they also have like inexpensive DVDs and stuff like that. And the one that near my house, the DVD section is right next to the kids section, like the toddlers, preschool, that kind of stuff. So you have like, not Barney, but not Paw Patrol, but um, things of that ilk where it's uh, 
you know, cartoon puppets, <laughs> you know, stuff like that. And right next to like cartoon puppets, it's like the story of Pablo Escobar. <laughs> you know, it just, just, just popped in my head and made me laugh. VeggieTales. They also have VeggieTales. Anyway, um, yeah. So that's the stuff I've got to read. And also I've got, uh, stuff from uh dcbs what <laughs> i got mad because i saw that i have love and rockets 3 and I remember when i went to um heroes last year i picked up love and rockets 1 so i'm like god damn it i got forgot to get love and rockets 2 i gotta find it now and then i realized they put two and three in the same bag because i did order it so anyway there you go anyway so even though this is a uh, episode without uh, a format. Um, I still talked for uh, quite a while. Actually, I talked a lot longer than uh, you may think. And yeah, there goes my smoke detector again. But oh well, that smoke detector is not detecting smoke. It is uh, letting me know that um, right now I'm done making a lot of noise. <clears throat> That's for you, Roger. Uh, a lot of comic book noise. Take it easy.